Here they come! Hello and welcome to episode 182 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today there's a change of advertised content. In place of the announced show with my brother, we have instead myself and Dave from Neozaz journey into the jungle of the Crystal Skull to look at the effects there, what we thought of them then and how we think they stand up now. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Start the recording, and we are off and running. Mm-hmm. Are you ready, sir? I am ready to swing. Let's, a <laughs> couple of swingers in the jungle, we are. <laughs> oh, uh, I will start by saying, well, welcome to the jungle, Dave. <laughs> we got fun and games. Boy, have we. We are a couple of swingers <laughs> today, aren't we? Well, I mean, that's private information. But sure. <laughs> Crystal Skull, then. Crystal Skull. Um, it's been a long time coming on this show. And, uh, you know, with the Dial of Destiny out in theatres right now, um, I thought, right, OK, let's uh, return to Dr. Jones and who better. But uh, I, could there be a bigger Indiana Jones fan than yourself, Dave? There... I know he's your number one movie character of all time, is he not? It's my f- number one movie character and my favorite movie and the thing I love most in entertainment from the acting, writing, and just filmmaking standpoint. But I know there are way bigger fans than me out there because I've encountered some of them online and and they m- make me look like a, a novice. So I appreciate you putting me in that uh, in that category, but I don't think I deserve it, but I'm happy to be here. Okay. All right. So Crystal Skull then. Right, 2008 that came out. Um, can you take me and the listener back to 2008? What were your thoughts? It's been a long time since Last Crusade. Then they say, Yep, we're going to make another one. What were your thoughts back then, a good 15 years ago now? I was insanely excited, um, kind of the way people have been for Dial of Destiny recently. Um, I uh, the trailers were effective. It was still all of the people that I loved involved, and at the time I remember thinking, well, Harrison Ford looks a little old. And now, <laughs> looking at Dial Destiny and watching Crystal Skull again recently, he didn't look he didn't look so old anymore. Exactly uh, my thoughts. Exactly. He he look he looks great, and he's still got it, and it's still him doing a lot of the stuff. Um, they didn't, they didn't CGI paste his face on a stuntman, I don't think, once in this. So I was excited. Um, I was very hard on it then, but in retrospect and watching it a couple of times recently, um, can find moments of enjoyment in it that I didn't give it credit for before. So I have changed my opinion a little bit late, lately about Crystal Skull, but... Uh, it was it was very exciting at the time. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
what your co-host on Indiana Jones in character, Chris, said um, when you were talking about Dial of Destiny, and he was saying, I prefer you know, Crystal Skull, but before Dial of Destiny came out, you know, Crystal Skull was the Nadir, and there's no, there's only three Indiana Jones films, blah, blah, blah. And I found that a very interesting idea that, you know, you think you're done and dusted with a character, but then another one comes down the pike 15 years later, which makes you reevaluate what the last one was. And yeah, same as you, I, I watched it again for today, and... Um, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised um, right. by how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, that that's and and I think that that is happening with a lot of people that were disappointed with Dial of Destiny without giving anything away because it's still new and people haven't seen it. Um, we did a full spoiler-filled review on Indiana Jones and character character, um, but uh, yeah, in retrospect. It's it's interesting how you change your opinions, and it was 15 years ago. I mean, you and I are older. I remember my son being little. 2008, the Phillies won the World Series. I was like, you know, I I was a young dad, and I had a young son, and now I'm an old fart. And yeah. it's like I'm watching this, and it's like it's not as bad as I thought. There are still some bad moments. Don't get me wrong, but it still had the guts of a Spielberg movie, where where I don't think. Well, I don't want to say too much, but uh, it was still an Indiana Jones movie. I'll say that. And, yeah, and and as you say, it clear, clearly is Harrison Ford doing all that stuff. Um, you know, when I, when I started in the cinema trade, you know, I showed the last two or three Roger Moore James Bond films, and right. that just became embarrassing because every action sequence is, is in a long shot, so you can see that isn't Roger Moore. And, you know, you... It was just totally unbelievable that this borderline geriatric was doing those things you're meant to think that he's doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. Hmm. All right, then. So today we are, I, out of all the sequences we could have chosen in Crystal Skull, I thought I would choose the most infamous one because you talk to anybody about Crystal Skull, it's like, oh, it's the one with the bloody aliens in and it's the one with the bloody monkeys. <laughs> so that's when I contacted you last week and said, shall we talk about the bloody monkeys? Yeah, it's it's exciting. And I mean, I am not here to correct you, but an Indiana Jones person that is listening to this would tell you they are not aliens. <laughs> They're interdimensional beings. My so, mistake. My mistake. So how dare you? I I I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> and right. the thing the thing about the like I remember like when this movie came out, this is the one thing I remember. Um, it's funny to see when the tides turn and something. Um, do you have the phrase "jump the shark"? Yeah, we know of it from America. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, Fons. that's a Happy Days Fonz thing, isn't it? Yes, from Happy Days. Yeah. Um, the, and, and I love that that has, because I, I freaking love happy days. Um, in fact, I was just in Milwaukee, Pennsylvania and had my arms around a Fonzie statue, which is made of bronze and is aptly named the bronze Fonz. <laughs> um, but I'm not, you know, if you were talking about happy days anytime, happy as, days in character, right. I mean, I can't, I, 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 I'm not trying to go on a tangent, but I, I've never thought about how. People in the UK would perceive happy days. Do you, like, was that a thing? 
Yeah, Happy Days was massive over oh, here. Okay, everybody loved the Fonz okay, and Richie and, and 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 all of them. Yeah, it was huge over here. Okay, that is such an American thing. I was like, how do other people perceive Happy Days? No, but you know, I mean, the UK as well. You know, fell in love with and uh, uh, with Greece. That was massive over here as well. Okay, know? okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get down on a on a right. on a motorcycle ride, but uh, the the jump the shark moment already at the beginning. I would say like I don't know when that movie came out, probably out in May 2008. By mm-hmm. June of 2008, people were like, "What's going on with this refrigerator?" Yeah, and that became the first thing that people were critical of. I remember even Entertainment Weekly doing a scientific almost like mythbusters type thing of whether or not that could even work um and people were like this refrigerator and, and it became almost like a secondary jump the shark it became like a, you know did it jump the shark did it nuke the fridge Do you yeah. remember that <laughs> yes. Th- that be- that became a thing like in movies like oh that is such a nuke the fridge moment Apparently Spielberg's quite pleased that Nuke in the Fridge has um, a- a- eclipsed Jumping the Shark. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but when you look on it, back on it now, like you watched the whole movie, right? You didn't just watch yeah. the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have a problem with the fridge? No. <laughs> I mean, with everything else that you've seen in the previous three Raiders, you know, and the two indie films, um, the, the the outlandish... Yeah, you know, almost mystical things that are happening. I I didn't have a problem with that at all. Okay, I agree, and I even think back in the thing, people were like, "Yeah, the fridge, the fridge, the fridge," and I was like, "No, the monkeys. Mm. Forget the fridge. Focus on the monkeys. Put that on a t-shirt. Focus <laughs> on the monkeys." <laughs> We're going to focus on the monkeys, but before we focus on the monkeys, we're going to start our sequence with the sword fight atop the vehicles. Okay. What do you think of all this? I mean, if we weren't living in a CGI era, could you see two stuntmen doing this for real? Not to this extent, no. And not especially to the extent where there is a definite practical shot of a stuntman almost doing a complete split between two Jeeps while swashbuckling. And whoever that stuntman is, is pretty impressive. But you, it doesn't fit with the rest of the scene. Um, because isn't he getting like hit in the nuts? Yeah, we've got that moment where Shia LaBeouf, he's got a foot on each vehicle and he's doing the splits, like you say, and he's continually being hammered in the nuts by these what look like round cacti plants. <laughs> right. So not only is he getting hit in the nuts, they might be like, you know, spiky, prickly things as well. Yeah. yeah. He'd end up with prickly balls, wouldn't he? <laughs> but but that that it's just silly. It's silly. It's You don't believe for one second that the two actors are actually doing that. No. And it was completely forced. Like it's a very forced moment that early in the movie, when he first meets him and he doesn't know he's his son, they're kind of talking and he says something about how I'm good with a blade. And he does talk about fencing because I guess before he became like this Fonzie type guy, 
It's really more Marlon Brando from The Wild One. I, guess. I hate that. Can I just say, uh, <laughs> th- th- this is my little aside, the first time you ever see him when he's on that motorbike driving yeah. along the side of that train, I want to punch his lights out. The way he's got his hat oh, at that jaunty angle, oh, I, I, he, he, he just gets on my tits. When, <laughs> whenever I see him dressed like that, and it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I love that. He gets, that's a T-shirt. Yeah, well, get get on my tits. <laughs> Mutt, Mutt Williams gets on my tits. Yes. Why? Because it's, I mean, I agree. But is it because it's so forced again? Like, it is. It's de- forced. It, it is 100% Marlon Brando's costume from The Wild One. I think. I mean, I've seen The Wild One. It's great. Marlon Brando's fantastic in it. He wears that hat. He wears that jacket. Mm. Um, rides a motorcycle. He was like the original movie rebel to me like yeah. long before any of these people um and he's riding right up on the platform of the train <laughs> and oh, no. so he says something about being good with a blade but i guess before all that he had gone to some kind of prep school is that kind of alluded to well yeah you know in this sequence when they're doing the sword fight marion is actually instructing him how to do things so i guess marion gave him lessons okay then okay, I'm glad you said that because she's going repose, like she's saying, like I actually yeah. took I took fencing in college for gym. It was freaking oh, hilarious. Yeah, in, in, I mean, in, I don't know what it's like in in other parts of the world, but like you have to take generally four gym credits in in a college over here, and the gym things were like kooky. So I took juggling. I can. I'm actually a very good juggler. <laughs> um, and one of them was fencing, and we learned how to fence with the hat and the the rules and the you know. So she's giving him actual fencing terms. I didn't know if that was coming from her or that was like he was in a fencing club or in some kind of prep school, and she was like the soccer mom on the sidelines that was coaching him along. Yeah, she might have just picked it up from taking him along to lessons. Right, but they really made it important that Indiana Jones has a whip. What does Mutt have? He's got a sword or a knife i'm not exactly sure they were trying really hard to to give him his own weapon and it just so happens that the main villain also is a fencer (laughs) and carries two with her that's handy isn't it yeah (laughs) the the actual swashbuckling is well done but the fact that it's between two jeeps makes it pretty ridiculous yeah that that the R word you say there, um, yeah, we could say that about a lot of what happens in this sequence because this fencing is curtailed by uh, Mutt getting caught in a vine. And he, he's stuck in this vine and he meets a monkey, doesn't he? The first of the monkeys. The first. Is, and I believe, is it the only real monkey? I think that's the only one. That close-up is the only real one you see in okay. this sequence. Mm-hmm. All right? Because we pull back, we see loads. Now, before we go back to Mutt, we have this clifftop chase between, you know, the two Jeeps yeah. along the edge of the cliff. And it's just something, I think I've said this before, back in the old days, you know, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you have the, the truck chase, you know, they go along a very similar edge of a cliff, don't mm. they? And you know, in both instances, they're not really there. That's not, a, that, that's not real. It's fake. But there's just something about when you watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and you know that's fake, but you also know that that must be a painting 
that's one thing. But in our CGI world now, where you go, that's fake, and you know it's CGI, it's not that I lack respect for what they've done. It's just when you know it's a matte painting and somebody has painted that with a paintbrush and, and it's taken a long time and it physically existed, to me, gains more respect from me than a stellar, fantastic image which was created in a computer. Hmm. Do you see what I say? I do. You know what I mean? It's interesting to hear you say that because I don't know anybody that knows more about movies, special effects, and and things like that than you. So it's interesting to hear that from your perspective, being, to me, um, an expert. um, Thank you. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, I I guess I never... I I prefer practical things and matte paintings, obviously, but um, I'm... I'm interested to hear you say that. Hmm. Mm. And I think that about an awful lot of things. I mean, they are very visually impressive now, films and everything. But, you know, because I'm a model maker and, I, and you know, I'm used to, you know, getting paint under my fingernails and, you know, plasticine underneath my fingernails and cutting things out and getting cut by my scalpel and stuff. I, I just appreciate physical creative works rather than artificially created works. Yeah, no, I totally agree. When it, they, there is nothing that can't be done in movies nowadays, but it does. Uh, the stakes aren't as high as they were when someone wasn't clicking a mouse, and it doesn't mean that you don't. It doesn't take talent. I'm not saying that. Not nor am I. Right, but right. What those people do takes a tremendous, tremendous amount of acumen and, and talent. Yeah. Um, did you? Did sorry. No, it's just I agree. It's just different. Okay. Did you see on the Facebook page for this show those masks that I put up recently? Masks. The Har- Har- Harrison Ford masks. Oh, the stunt that the stunt. Yeah. P- yes, they're they're getting uh, attention because they're just so ghoulish. <laughs> yeah, but they're not designed to be seen that close up. I I just think it's fantastic in this CGI world we're in now that they've gone. Well, we could CGI the stuntman's face out and put Harrison Ford in, but let's make some rubber masks and put them on. Yeah, to a person like you that does what you do, that that is a throwback. Oh, I'd love one. I'll tell you, if I can find you one, I'll send you it. You can have your own Harrison Ford mask. Oh, my God. Can you imagine just like your, your family coming down one morning for breakfast and you're <laughs> sitting there with that mask on? They would call the cops. I was thinking more of you putting it on and going down to a bar and ordering a drink. Right, whiskey. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, you could, couldn't you? <laughs> now you're getting real nasty. Nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those things. Are, those things are cool. And I thought, kind of thought the same thing too. Um, I should have uh, messaged you. Like from a from a special effects standpoint, I'm surprised those masks even exist. Mm. Because the the one shot it was in the trailer. I mean, this is a the monkeys were back to oh, destiny again, but you, you know what you what you brought up, I think, is interesting. Um, there's one shot in the trailer that they use a lot, where he's on the horse in New York City, and the horse rears up, and the stuntman turns his head. They plaster Harrison Ford's CGI face on there, and his head turns too much. Huh? It looks like he's about to Linda Blair it. You know, he's about <laughs> to go. And it just that one always stood out to me as like, are they going to do this a whole movie? Like he's so old, they have to like just plaster his face on every scene. I'm glad that those masks ex- exist. Mm. Mm. Before we go back to the monkeys, you notice uh, we're doing it everything except talk about the monkeys. I think deep down subconsciously we don't want to 
think about them. But <laughs> every, you, you and Chris, everybody I've listened to talking about Dial of Destiny, everybody seems to think that the beginning, that opening first 20 minutes, is the best part of the film with this de-aged Harrison Ford in a story set in the Second World War. Right. Um, what Would you have preferred, instead of what we had with The Dial of Destiny, we had a whole film like that? The whole film is a de-aged Harrison Ford set in World War Two. No. No? No, because one of the things that we say on there, um, and I still think this is true, as good as that looks, it's only good until they open their mouth and speak. Mm. And they, as as far as they've come with this and deep fake technology, and I think it's amazing. I think it's dangerous. <laughs> I think it's amazing. Mm. But the mouth and the talking never looks good so if they ke- if he kept his ma- if it was like he kept his mouth shut the entire movie sure but the second he talks right. i'm out, i'm out of that i'm I, you lose me completely um and besides the fact of that most of that in that first sequence is not Harrison Ford oh I it think, isn't no i i read an article about this they people really wanted to know who that was and they found his name and some guy um if if I knew that was Harrison Ford the entire time, no, he's eighty whatever years old. He can't do some of those things. But I don't know how often that's even him. Right. Right. So what am I looking at? I'm looking at a stunt man. You know, with with it, they could have put anybody's face on there. They could they could have put they could have put Henry Winkler's face on there and have Fonzie <laughs> Fonzie redeem himself. Fonzie the during the war. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, I would not. It was fun for a little bit. It was like, it's like, I mean, I, do, do you play video games with your son? No, no. I still play video games. And uh, I have the most recent, uh, I'm a giant baseball fan, so I have the most recent Major League Baseball game. It is fantastic. It is like you're controlling, it's like you're God. And you're controlling exact duplicates of the people that I watch on television every day. Um, but if they started talking and stuff, it would take me completely out of it. Mm. And that's what I feel like what you're watching with some of these, you're watching a video game and it's fantastic to look at, but I wouldn't, a whole movie that would, I I would think would be annoying. No, you don't buy it. Do you? No. And and, And it would take you totally out of it. I'm, I'm the same with, with what you say about the mouths, but also the eyes every time they blink. Um, that was the problem with, um, Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, um, in in Rogue One, fine if you see see him and he's standing still. Yeah, that looks like Peter Cushing. But the minute he blinks or starts speaking, everything's wrong. And they've said this time and time again. The problem is, we are animals. Humans are animals, and we 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 study a face far more than we think we do. You know, and we know on an instinctual level whether something's real or not by looking at his face. So if somebody it happens all the time in superhero films now where, you know, it's the actor, but their clothing is is CGI. You know, they're not really wearing that suit, but that's not Batman's cape, you know, right. uh, or, or whatever. But we don't notice that because as animals, we're, we're, we are trying to look at a face. So you're not looking at the clothing and you can fool a human brain into thinking that clothing is real, but you can't with a face because we study it too much. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, the the only thing 
I think if you if like I bring off you about bring up Graham off Tarkin at the points where he is the focal point of which one was that Rogue One or Rogue Rogue, One yeah uh, um that that becomes an animated movie Mm. and and I love animation I think if they did a true animated movie. That would be great, and I know I mean nothing real in it. And I've been watching the commercials lately for. I don't know how many times they're going to reboot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm. but there's a new movie out. The animation style in this new movie is amazing. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing an Indiana Jones movie like that. Mm. That would yeah. be cool because then you wouldn't need to worry about the mouth and the eyes. It would be animated because it's all the same. And yeah, that you're absolutely right. That's why you know. Um, end of Rogue One when Princess Leia turns up. You're taking out the film. Instead of going, oh, it's Princess Leia, it's like, well, that's not right, you know? Right. If it, if it was all like that, you 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 haven't got that huge switch, have you? Yeah, I think it's, it's you're going to put those things next to actual living human beings. They're going to stick out like a, th- a sore thumb. Well, that's a nice way of getting back on track because <laughs> uh, the next thing we've got is Mutt really unconvincingly swinging on these vines. Yeah. And the first vine that picks him up, it not only does he get stuck on it, but it like raises him up into mm. the trees. And these trees go on forever. Yes. Forever and ever. This is like the trees the size of those walking trees in those Lord of the Rings movies. The forest is not that high. The perspective of that jungle confuses me. It is weird because he starts swinging away. It's like an old Johnny Weissmuller film in that as he reaches the apex of a swing, there's another vine ready for him to then continue like that. Completely. And for some reason, the monkeys are leading the way. I don't understand what that's all about. Yeah. And and as you say, the geography of this jungle is weird in that we've still got a clifftop chase happening, but somehow Muck catches them up. He 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 does the shortcut because the monkeys have showed him the way. It's like that's the, that's <laughs> it's it's the swinging is one part, but it is what you said that the monkeys seem to be leaning the way. It's like when he makes eye contact with that first monkey, that monkey knows, oh, his just the guy that he just found out as a dad is driving a boat through the jungle, and he's got a skull from an interdimensional being. And guys, we need to get him over there. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Because that's what it is. It's ridiculous. There's that word again. <laughs> yeah, it's a good yeah. word. <laughs> um, and it is. It's just nonsense. Um, I, I, it's just, my God, this is an Indiana Jones film, and this is happening, you know? Um, yeah, this it, it is. And, it, 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 and you know more about this, too, again. Um, the, what are they called? The CGI monkeys. They don't look right. I mean, the things that they could do with CGI is amazing. Think about like, think about like uh, the Phantom Menace when you watch that now. It looks like you're watching a a cartoon. Mm. Things have gotten so good, but as a layperson, I don't understand why they can't get animals right. No. Um, we've come a lot. Like I remember Jumanji, the original Jumanji with Robin Williams, and at the time it was like, wow. You know, they could never get animals to do these things, so they they have to be computer animated. Well, you look at Jumanji now, it looks horrendous. That monkey in Jumanji is just freakish, you know? Right. 
um, why can't they get animals right? I don't know. I mean, because you say Jumanji, around the same time you've got Jurassic Park, and those dinosaurs still hold up today. Yes. So it can be done. Maybe it's maybe it's just the filmmakers. I don't know. Uh, I, the, these I'm, I watched it yesterday morning because I knew we were going to talk about this. And I was looking at him. I was looking at the lighting. The lighting in these things is strange. It it you know you know, are you familiar with Drew? I believe his last name is Sturzen. Yeah, classic artist. Right. So the painted the posters for everything great yeah. from this to Big Trouble in Little China. You name it. Um, it it's almost like they're trying to make it look like a painting, which I guess I appreciate if they're doing that. But I don't know that it's it's intentional. It's like I say, I, I can't believe this is a Spielberg directed Indiana Jones film. Can you imagine if they tried doing a sequence like this in Temple of Doom? If you actually had Indiana Jones swinging along with Short Round and Willie through the trees? Yeah, people wouldn't have bought it. And then they would have just said, oh, like they're out of ideas. So now he's Tarzan. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. And Mutt can seem to Mutt almost seems to have like some kind of superpowers or something. He can he's Doctor Doolittle. He can communicate <laughs> with animals and you're right, the 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 strength and and technique that it would take to do that even once to swing from one vine to another is superhuman. Yeah. One person that could have done that, but I don't think it would have been a good idea, is instead of Mutt doing it if Indiana Jones did it. Because he's, he's used to the whip. Yeah. But I don't want to see Indiana Jones being led by a load of monkeys. No. No. He actually kind of does swing at least once in that movie, in that beginning chase scene, mm -hmm. where he whips the whip and swings into that truck. Yes. And that's the longest whip I've ever seen. We talked about the whips on our... <laughs> we did a whole episode on the whip and... Um, the length of Indiana Jones's whip, even though it's always supposed to be the same whip, yeah. changes several times throughout a movie. <laughs> it's, it depends on what he's doing. If he's fighting someone, it's 10 feet long. If he's swinging to something else, it's 20 feet long. And it just has the ability to kind of, you know, grow and shrink. Maybe it is a, you know, a magic whip that he got from a past adventure. And we just don't know that story yet. Uh, well, I would like to see an animated version of that. There you go. There you go. Let's hold out for that then, shall we? <laughs> so, mercifully, the, the, the monkey sequence ends and the ant sequence turns over because they, they come crashing out of the jungle mm -hmm. and land on top of this enormous ant nest, mm -hmm. which Indiana Jones calls Siafus. I think he calls them Sifus. Um, He's, he does say it, and then they're like, what? And he says, big damn ants, yeah. Big damn ants, yes, yeah. Um, I remember when I was growing up, there, 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 there was a number of films made in the 50s where ants were a big problem in Africa. There was one with Charlton Heston where you had, like, you know, um, swarms, plagues of ants come in, and everybody has to get out, <coughs> get out their way because they'll right. eat everything. You know, I think this is a... Uh, a nod back to those type of films, even though ants can't eat a person, you know. Or carry them down into their nest like that. No. Oh, I like the ants, actually. Because the ants, to me, was something that they did well, CGI at least, because it's not going to talk like a person. It doesn't have the same movements that a mammal has like a monkey. I don't have a big problem with the ants, and I 
know that they probably felt like they needed their snakes of this. It was snakes and raiders. It was um, bugs. bugs. It was rats. Yeah. And the third one, what what do we have now? Ants. Um, so I, I don't have a huge problem with the ants. I don't have a problem with them at all. And yeah, I think... You're saying why why can't get they get the monkeys right, but they get the ants right? Do you think the problem with the monkeys is it's fur? Maybe it's yes. the fur that's throwing things off. I, I think you're right. I think the fur and then things like primates. I mean, like everybody's been to the zoo, um, mm. things like that. The movement is it, it's it's kind of unpredictable. Like mm. more more quick and jagged, and these things are very smooth and flowing. The sound um, effects work as well. The skittling yeah. sound effects work in that sequence as well. I do like the. This is a throwback to Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is the uh, the Indiana Jones versus the the Russian big bruiser, the Pat Roach yeah. stand in, because yeah. that's a nice brutal fight. That's almost could be by the flying wing in Raiders of the Lost Ark, couldn't it? It is, and it's it's uh, Ford. Mm. When you watch it, it's that's him. He's he's he is the stuntman in that scene. Mm. It's great. Like, yeah, the cho- choreography is is really really good. Yeah. So it, at least the sequence ends on a on a high note. I don't know about the ants making a tower of themselves to try and get to Kate Blanchett. Um, I know that ants can do that. Like those worker ants, they can build bridges and stuff like that. So I think that has at least some basis in the natural world how do they know she's there oh i don't know that <laughs> <laughs> and yeah he gets pulled down into the into the ant hole yeah and and this sequence is i think one of two or three where one of these uh truck boat type things is crashing down on to the other one that happens a couple of times here and all the people have to do to survive it is just duck Yes. <laughs> okay. I quite like the that the ants carrying Indiana Jones's hat back. Yeah. Um. That that's nifty. What do you think about the 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 ending of our sequence today, where Marion drives off the cliff, lands on the tree, which bends slowly over to gently plop them into the river? That's worse than the refrigerator. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. She, she gives that a cursory glance. After driving past it, sees a tree and she gets a big smile on her face. She knows exactly what to do. I like the fact that Marion is in charge sometimes. And I like that because Marion, like in Rangers of the Lost Ark, she, she's tough. And she mm. can take care of herself for the most part. She's Even though she gets captured and he has to rescue her, she's not your typical damsel in distress. Like Marion could kick some ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I like the fact that she does something to save them. Just not that. No. It, yeah. And she knew she knows the physics of how far that boat truck is going to go and land in that thing and let, just settle them down into the water. That's worse than the fridge. Yeah, physics is is a good word for this sequence because yeah, it's ridiculous the physics of being able to swing through the jungle like that. The physics of getting that duck to go off the cliff to land on the tree to then gently bend down. It's all very silly, isn't it? Yeah, that 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 actually is a good point for this entire movie. And I guess if you analyzed any of the movies, you could say that. But something like Temple of Doom, it's more just like traditional action. Oh, that's not true. There's the raft. 
the rat. I mean, there there are things in these that defy physics. I think that happens more in this movie, from the fridge to the monkeys to the to the to the boat to the surviving three waterfalls. You know, like there's there's a little more nonsense in this movie than the others. Yeah, I mean, you you look at uh, Temple of Doom, where you know the plane's going to crash at the beginning. They get in the dinghy, the dinghy inflates, which is terrific. Mm-hmm. They land, which is terrific. They slide down the slope, which is great. But then they go off the cliff <laughs> and somehow stay in it to then land in the water. But that's just one isolated little bit of silliness. Not yeah. loads of them, which is what Crystal Skull seems to have. Yeah, maybe that's a good... Like, you're allowed you're allowed one nonsensical thing. Yeah. Don't give me too many. Because now I'm just like, okay, I, I forgive the first thing. I can't forgive the fourth thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we've uh, put our finger on it. Because, you know, Last Crusader's got that very silly thing. The guy in the, uh, in the library in Venice, you know, stamping as Indiana Jones, you know, is breaking the flagstone. Yeah. That's a silly moment. But that's yeah. an isolated silly moment. And thinking about it, I can't. I can't. Can you think of any silly moment in Raiders of the Lost Ark where you go, "No, that's just silly." I can't think of one. No. Even shooting the knife, the 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 the, the swordsman. That's not silly. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess you could say in the truck chase, the going under the truck, but somebody actually does that. Yeah. I mean, that's a stuntman doing that. Vic Armstrong did that for real. Really? You know, in camera. So, no, I can't. This one has... Too many. Too many. Um, yeah. Does Dial of Destiny, because, of course, I haven't seen Dial of, Dial of Destiny, are, are there lots of silly moments in that? Um, yes, and I'm trying to lock that in a closet. Okay, sorry, Dave. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. Right now, I've right done now, your therapy there, haven't right, I? Right, and right now, they're prying the door open. Let's keep them in there. Okay, all right, let's close that door. Uh, behind the scenes, I've got a couple of snippets for you. The whole idea about the, the ants, as you say, the big damn ants, is a, is a carry-on from uh, Last Crusade. There were, were going to be giant ants in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay, so they, what, what, what did they do instead? The rats? Or they just did, no, did, I, I, no, I think it was a, an obstacle that they uh, had to encounter on their way to the place at the end, you know, across the desert. Yeah, okay. The Canyon of the Crescent Moon. See, you are the big Indiana Jones fan. Yeah. I guess you could say someone who's who's listening to this that is thinking along we, uh, lines we are that, about the silly, silly, nonsensical things, you could say the Umbrella and the Pigeons. And oh, yes, yes. Last Crusade is... But I think some of the things that are done for... Levity or comedy, like um, what did you say? The like the guy stamping the yeah. the book. That's a that's a joke. Yeah, I mean it's used to cover up the fact that they're crashing through the floor in this thing. But I think when when it's played for laughs and and that it works, you forgive that. Yeah, I thought of another silly one from Last Crusade. Uh, just after the pigeons, you reminded me of it when the plane crashes in the tunnel and then goes past Indy and his dad in the car. And the right. guy's looking puzzled as the plane goes past. That probably defies physics. That plane is still speeding up and going past them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that is played for laughs that f- 
falls short in Last Crusade is the um, Scottish impersonation with the tapestries. you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> tapestries. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely is a silly one. But okay. everything else is so good. You forgive like that's I think the mark of any good movie. There's very few movies that are perfect. Raiders of the Lost Ark being one. Um things like Back to the Future. There are movies that are perfect. Movies that aren't perfect like um Last Crusade. You forgive the Scottish Lord. Mm. Because everything else is so wonderful. Yeah. Um you got like it's like almost like you got to make up for it, you know? Mm. And movies like Crystal Skull don't make up for it. No. Nicely put, Dave. Uh, my other bit of uh, behind the scenes, um, you know, the whole monkey sequence, the whole jungle sequence, uh, a lot of people think it's, um, you know, all green screen, it's all CGI. But no, that was a real uh, woodland area in, in Hawaii that yeah. they uh, had found. Um, there was a road a mile long going through it, and what the uh, film crew had to do was make new roads either side, you know, for the camera crew to drive along. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was all, um, all the, uh, the actual driving of the Jeeps through the jungle and everything, that was all for real. That wasn't CGI stuff. I would not have thought that. I thought that you were going to say that they were just driving on treadmills. So not only did they did they do put, put together a, a lousy sequence, they also ruined part of this rainforest by having to put extra, like ro- extra roads through them. Great. Do you think while they were cutting down the rainforest to make these new roads, the monkeys were having a go at them? I think so. I think they were, and I think Sting was standing over the side shaking his head. (laughs) What a mental image. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's it. Um, All we've got to do now is is vote out of 10 for the entire sequence. The, The sword fighting, the monkeys, and the ants all combined into one number from you please dave all right so i'm gonna average these together i think the sword fighting gets like a two out of ten okay the monkeys get a zero out of ten and i like the ants so i would give them like a five out of ten so that puts us back down to like a 2.5 out of ten if you average it all together i'm not sitting here doing math it's early in the morning here um, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, the ants are the only thing that saves this from being a complete dismal failure. Yeah. I'll, I'll say three, three out of 10. Well, that's exactly what I have written down here. All right. Okay. We agree on a three. Ain't but, good for a Indiana Jones film, is it? A three out of 10. No, not, not with the, the people that are involved in this involved in it. No, absolutely not. Hmm. I, I think the, the, the farther... Spielberg is 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 an enigma to me because he's been able to make the transition. Like I think it's like people that like I, I I listen to a lot of music and I think people like David Bowie, who can go from the music that he kind of made in the seventies to a more industrial sound, like a Nine Inch Nails sound, and then in the nineties, and then the things that he did near the end of his life. That's how you. That's how you kind of put yourself out there as a as a great artist because mm. you can you can adapt some people try and they can't um spielberg has been able to do that from the shark that never worked to 
the modern technology of today, um, but everybody's allowed, you know, a strikeout every once yeah. in a while, and this is his, I think. Yeah. Yep. 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 Do you think again? I haven't seen the film. Do you think Dial of Destiny would be a different film if he had directed it? Oh my God! Yes. Hmm? Oh, that's like that is like one of the things that we agreed most about it. It uh, it it didn't have Spielberg has a feel, right? Like Spielberg has a twinkle when you watch his movies. Oh, this is Spielberg. Like if you plopped yourself down, oh, this is Spielberg. He's got a visual shorthand. Yeah. That guy, hasn't he? I mean, I, I thought of that yesterday when I was watching the beginning of Crystal Skull when, you know, Indiana Jones is pulled out of the back of the uh, car and you've got that aerial shot looking down on him and the car and the way the soldiers all in unison form a circle around him. That's such a Spielberg moment to have people all move at one. He did it in Close Encounters. You would have the spectators waiting for the UFOs. They would all move together. Yeah, um, yeah he's definitely got a visual shorthand, hasn't he? Yeah, it's it's like choreography and mm. it's like it's like a dance. And he he does things in his way and when you see it it puts you in that world. I don't know much about James Mangold. I know that people love Logan and and I'm sure, I know he's a talented director. But the fact that he was the one pulling the strings in this was another thing to take you out right of this of this uh world. Okay. Uh, it was, and it's the way I feel about Star Wars, too. Say what you want about George Lucas and those prequels. They still felt like Star Wars movies to me. Mm. These these new movies, they're technically better done. But I don't... It It's not the same. It's you're just, not in that galaxy, are you? It's, you're not in that galaxy, and you're not in, in that desert. If you're not with these two guys, it's just it's just different. And there's it's almost like you can't even put your finger on it. Well, to help you with your therapy, Dave, mm-hmm. I thought next time uh, you return to the show, I've got a bit of therapy for you. Okay. Because what I'd like us to do now, you don't know this. Okay. Um, sorry about this, Dave, dropping this on you like this. But I thought a bit of therapy for you. Another sequence like we've just done where you've got multiple things happening rather than just the one that we usually do. Uh, we will stay in a desert, in that desert or a desert, uh, I thought you and I could talk about the Well of Souls. Oh God! I, sequence. I would, I would relish that anytime. That's. Uh, I said on our show. Um, the shot, and you know the shot, and maybe if, I, if this is redundant, please cut it out. I think it's the greatest shot in movie history. Is when in. Indy has discovered the true resting place of the well of souls. Um, and he has hired the digging crew with Sala's help. And it's a shot from the distance with the sun setting and the diggers singing their chants to help them dig. And Indy's taking off his turban and putting on his hat is the greatest shot in movie history. They timed that moment. The sunlight, the sunset is absolutely perfect i think if they'd waited two more minutes or two minutes earlier it wouldn't have been anywhere near as magnificent as that shot is makes it even greater right Mm. today they would go i think we should have an establishing shot where the sun is going down and some guy would clickety click 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 and he'd be like got it yeah um the fact that that was so set up and so it's gorgeous it's the greatest shot in movie history 
Well, this is your therapy then. It's from Sala and Indy cracking it open. Snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Okay. Right the way through to the flying wing blowing up. So okay. we're going to have all of that to talk about, all right? Okay, that is the best therapy ever. You should you should have a degree. <laughs> you, you're doling out prescriptions. I love this. Okay. Dr. Well, Eric. Dr. Eric. <laughs> and my plucky assistant, Dave. <laughs> you can be you, you can be my Sala, all right? Anytime. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'll be in touch and uh, hopefully we'll have you along before long. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me this time. All right. Cheers then, Dave. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. That's all, folks.